You are listening to Supporting Supporters, a Change to Chill podcast. This is a free mental well-being resource offered by Alina Health. My name is Tanya Freeman. I'm a licensed psychologist and regional lead psychologist with Alina Health. These podcast episodes are aimed with the goal of providing quick, tangible resources and information from Alina Health mental health providers on a range of mental health topics relevant to -to day-to-day lives of the listener. We invite you to join us in any way you please, whether you sit back and kick your feet up, or as you engage in movement, your daily commute, or as you prepare for your day. However you choose to join us, we welcome you and we honor your time. Today we are talking about inclusivity in the classroom with Dr. Heather Crabtree, who serves as a primary care psychologist for children, adolescents, and families, and is a supervisor for our postdoctoral trainees. Please join us in understanding more about how to foster inclusivity in your classroom. Hello there. I'm Heather Crabtree, and I'm a psychologist who works primarily with children, adolescents, and their families. In my work with clients and families, I often partner with schools, and I also hear a lot from my clients about the impact that school personnel have on their lives. This is such an important and valued contribution to these children's lives and society as a whole. By listening to this podcast, it is obvious how much you care about your students and that you want to continue to develop your understanding and skills. Thank you for all you do. I hope this will be helpful for you. Today, we will be talking about inclusivity as a whole within the classroom. So first of all, I want to touch on why inclusion works. Supporting and celebrating diversity and inclusion in school works because it gives all children the potential to achieve, and it creates an environment where those with additional needs are not segregated and seen as other, they are part of the same community of learners. Inclusion addresses negative cultural attitudes and misconceptions about people with disabilities or those who are members of minority communities. I really like this um, statement that was made all the way back in 1994, but I think it really sums up um, inclusivity very well. And it says, quote, Inclusive regular schools are the most effective means of combating discriminatory attitudes, creating welcoming communities, building an inclusive society, and achieving education for all. And I know all of you know this, right? And that's why you're thinking about inclusivity um, and why I'm sure all of your schools have Uh, probably rules and regulations around um, inclusivity at this point. So let's talk about some benefits of inclusion. So research has shown that when students are part of schools as a whole that practice inclusion, um, it has shown that students gain social and community skills. Isolating students in special education classrooms can limit their full range of educational opportunities, including learning and practicing important social skills. 
Um, so inclusion promotes diverse friendships and interactions, which can, of course, enrich the lives of all students. Um, so this is true for those students that would get pulled out for special education, but is also true for the students that would be in regular education classrooms because they get those interactions um, with the students of different abilities um, and then have the uh, interactions with those students um, that they normally wouldn't get as well. Uh, another benefit is that inclusive schools experience fewer absences and behavioral issues. Students included in the general education classroom develop better self-esteem. The social skills and behavior they build around their peers help to minimize behavioral challenges and disruptions. When students from all walks of life feel included and that they are important members of the school community, they are typically more invested in their own education, which helps them um, ha just have less behavioral issues and uh, more engagement in the classroom. Inclusive schools also lead to greater overall acceptance and tolerance. Students not traditionally excluded in education also benefit from inclusion. They learn valuable lessons about tolerance, patience and the benefits of diversity, which is really, those are really helpful lessons as we all know. And then lastly, all students and teachers benefit from a great support system. This creates an opportunity for teachers to get to know their students with lesson plans tailored to students' needs. Okay, so now that we know some benefits of inclusion, um, let's talk a little bit about how to start to get towards an inclusive classroom. So one really important thing is that collaboration with families and other key members of a student's uh, support system is really essential. So when a school year is starting, um, so I know we're at the tail end of a school year now, but thinking about the next school year, it's really important to begin the school year by getting to know the students and their families. Aim to make contact within the first few weeks, um, whether it's through email, phone, or in person. Use the type of communication that the family prefers in order to make them most comfortable, and try to communicate in their native language whenever possible. So having a, um, an interpreter, if possible. Ask the parents and family members to get involved in the school and classroom activities. Um, encourage them to actually visit the classroom and come in for special events and classroom activities that are going on. And then offer a chance for families to share their ideas. So uh, let them know how they can communicate with you as teachers or other school personnel. Ask them to provide feedback about their student and discuss areas of strengths and needs for improvement. Um, and this really helps with that communication um, so that you know as much as you can about the family unit and the student um, so that you can really know how to create an inclusive environment for that student. So this goes into, <clears throat> excuse me, the, important, the importance of knowing that student and their family and how that can come to play in the foundation of inclusion. So really knowing the student and their background is very important. 
Um, so find out what they want to be called, what their preferred name is, what their pronouns are, what languages they speak, what their favorite hobbies are and activities, and any other relevant information that they'd like to tell you. If the student has an IEP, get to know what their accommodations are, meet with their special education teacher, and push to collaborate with those teachers so you can provide better instruction. Okay, so let's talk about inclusive language because I think this is a really important topic and something that can be confusing sometimes. Um, so as a general rule, language can be exclusionary, um, even if we don't mean it to be. Everyone has implicit biases and their own cultural perspective. To be more inclusive with language requires conscious and consistent effort. So let's give some examples about exclusive versus inclusive language. So for example, some exclusive language use could be guys, ladies, girls, boys. More inclusive examples would be everyone, all, friends, learners. Um, I see a lot of um, schools going to using winter and spring break instead of Christmas and Easter break, and that's a really great uh, chance to move to more inclusive um, language use. So that's another really great example. Um, instead of using the word disabled, we now suggest using people with disabilities. As a general rule, we want to um, really use the person first and then the um, thing that they struggle with. Um, and so instead of um, a disabled person, we switch it around to a person with a disability. Um, so the person comes first. Um, when we talk about um, a minority group, instead of saying um, minority, we want to be specific. Um, so instead of grouping it as a, a larger group, um, we would be very specific, like um, Black, Asian American, um, whichever group we're, we're speaking of. So talking about gender um, is another big topic um, that has a lot of labels um, that can be confusing. So I wanted to spend a few minutes going over some of the terms. Um, and this is certainly something that you can find online as well. Um, but I just thought it would be helpful to kind of go through some of these things too. So cisgender uh, refers to a person whose gender identity aligns with sex assigned at birth. So if you were born female and you identify as female, you would be cisgender. Transgender is an umbrella term used to describe the full range of people whose gender identity and or gender role do not conform to what is typically associated with their sex assigned at birth. Um, so we do not use the term transgendered with an ED at the end because that um, kind of gives the idea that it's something that is done to a person um, and is not, it's kind of like a choice, right? And so we use transgender um, instead of transgendered. Um, 
We also do not use the term tranny. Um, that's considered a slur as well. Um, same with hermaphrodite. Um, so the alternatives that we use um, in addition to transgender would be LGBTQ+. Um, the term queer um, used to be considered um, a, a term that we did not use. Um, some of the we have to consider our audience when we use that term. Um, some people have kind of reclaimed that as an okay term to use, um, but again, sometimes it's not appropriate. So you kind of have to just kind of use your best judgment and ask about it. Um, okay, so that's, uh, so one other thing I wanted to mention too is that, um, so we don't really, want to use the term like birth sex. Um, we instead use the term as assigned sex or sex assigned at birth. Um, or like we don't, we would try to avoid the terms born female or born male. Um, instead we say assigned female at birth or assigned male at birth. Um, so just a few things to keep in mind. Um, they may not come up a lot, um, but, you know, again, it's it's good to um, kind of know those kind of things. And then when it comes to pronouns, which this, I'm sure, comes up a lot in classrooms, um, we try not to use the term preferred pronouns because this implies a choice about one's gender. So instead, just use the term pronouns or identified pronouns. So when you're talking with your students, just ask what their pronouns are um, or what their identified pronouns are. Um, and they usually will have already thought about it and will be able to tell you. Um, so you can, you know, just use that um, as a, a general question um, in the beginning of the year. Um, and just, you know, I like to just let them know that if these sort of things change throughout the year, that they can let you know um, so that, that there's open communication for that. I think that's a very nice way um, just because we know that these kind of um, identity things can shift and so it's really important to have that open communication. Okay, so those are some examples for using inclusive language. Um, it's really helpful um, again, to just keep that communication open because language does change over time. Um, and just to try to keep up with uh, kind of the, uh, the language of the day, right? Because it does change for sure. Um, all right. So moving on to a few other things that you can do really to continue to have this culture of inclusion in the classroom. Um, so another option is to vary examples um, of diversity and representation that you use in the classroom. Um, so whether you're reading books or having examples in lessons, making sure that um, the people um, that are in the lessons uh, or examples are diverse, whether it's cultural, religious, ethnic, or socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, and when talking about famous scientists, for example, make sure that you're including women, people of color, scientists from other countries, things like that. 
And next, um, really making sure that you're establishing rules for respect and inclusion. Um, so as, as the teacher, it is your role to model and set the tone in your classroom, regardless of what is happening in the rest of the school. Um, so set the rules and expectations from the first day um, that maintain inclusion and respect diversity and differences. Take a strong stance against bullying, which often arises when certain students are excluded. Rules should be specific and have specific consequences. All right, so next, as we kind of wrap up for this podcast, I would like to just touch on a few specific examples. First of... um, inclusion specifically for gender differences and then inclusion for culturally um, (laughs) cultural differences and then we'll talk about a few takeaways. So in regards to gender some of this might be a little bit repeated um, from some of the more general things that we've already talked about um, earlier in this podcast. But when we're talking about gender differences, the first thing is to use inclusive language on all forms. Um, So when you're looking at your handouts, um, other forms and communications that you use in your classroom or given to families, um, make sure that they're inclusive of all family structures and gender identities. So, for example, using phrases such as families and caring adults instead of moms and dads. The second thing to think about is stocking your library shelves with diverse books, um, making sure that students have access to books that reflect not only their lives, but also identities and perspectives outside of their experiences, so they have the ability to see um, those things in real life. Third is thinking about your welcoming bulletin board. So this is pretty common to have in classrooms, right? Um, And so thinking about how you can use uh, the bulletin board as a way to display diverse family structures and people of different races, gender expressions, and abilities. Uh, Maybe using slogans that encourage respect for all people on that bulletin board. Develop clear classroom and or school agreements. Um, So again, coming back to that bullying piece, um, making sure that there's policies in place uh, that specifically looks at groups that are disproportionately bullied or harassed and make it clear to students that this means no put-downs about who someone is or who their family is. And prepare yourself for teachable moments so educators can practice how to respond when they might hear a student say things like, that's gay, or you act like a girl, or you're not a real family because you don't have a dad. So really be prepared to interrupt teasing like this um, when it comes down to a child's identity or their family. Next, think about modeling inclusive language. So instead of addressing classes like boys and girls, try using inclusive words like students or friends like we talked about before. And then think about grouping students according to something other than their gender. Um, So instead of like all the boys line up here and the girls line up here, maybe do it by, um, you know, numbering off or do it by... Um, birthdays like odds and evens or, or things like that where it's not necessarily focused on gender. 
Um, think about teaching uh, lesson plans about how kids can be allies in learning about what makes each child special. And then lastly, um, consider holding an event where all families are celebrated and providing information about LGBTQ plus and other gender topics. All right, great. So those were some ideas about gender-specific um, inclusion strategies. And now let's touch on a few culturally responsive teaching strategies. So some ideas to think about would be that um, just having a positive attitude towards students' families. And this would be encouraging students to talk about their families, share stories, um, just uh, in asking families to be a part of um, what's going on in the classroom, be involved, um, all of that would be really great. Um, next, having a welcoming environment that promotes getting to know students and their background. So as we had talked about before, asking questions, being curious about their backgrounds. Curriculum materials must represent a diverse array of cultures, which we had talked about before. So again, when you're providing examples or books to read, making sure that there are a lot of different cultures um, and races that are shown. Instructional strategies allow for a student's first language, but also promote development of English language skills as well. Allow students some choice in topics and content so they can choose things that speak to them and resonate with their background. And then lastly, I think it's really important to take time to reflect on our own implicit biases. We can consider taking an online quiz about implicit cultural biases to improve our self-awareness. And then be aware that you may have to consciously overpower your unconscious biases, um, especially in the classroom. And then be aware also of privilege or lack thereof and how that can affect yourself and your students. All right, thank you for sticking with me through this great conversation about inclusivity within the classroom. So let's talk about three takeaway points that I think are really important as we talked through this really great topic. So number one, inclusivity is beneficial for students and leads to improvements in social skills, acceptance, and greater support systems. Number two, you can create a culture of inclusivity in the classroom by demonstrating that everyone's uniqueness is not only accepted, but it's valued. Ask questions and be curious about everyone's differences. Let them guide the conversations about their differences. And then lastly, be aware of group-specific bullying and biases. Some of these biases are even unconscious, or they may be microaggressions that aren't even necessarily, um, others aren't even necessarily fully aware of. Try to address these as soon as possible to create a culture of inclusivity in the classroom. Thanks so much, I hope this was helpful. On behalf of Alina Health and Change to Chill, we thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. 
We do hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope that you join us in other episodes covering even more interesting topics with mental health providers. As always, you can find the show notes and any accompanying research and tools at the Change to Chill website at www.changetochill.org. In health and in wellness, take care and see you next time.